A lot of people said that Jokic gave a cheap shot by pushing Morris in the back. They roll into town. I think it's what, November 29th? Are you going to be at the rematch and then see it up close in person? Oh, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be screaming. I'm going to be talking that mess too. Yeah! What's up, what's up? Welcome to Certified Buckets, the can't-miss NBA podcast where we hit on all things hoops and culture, brought to you by Uninterrupted. I'm your girl, Ashley Nicole Moss, and as usual, I am here with Christian Winfield and Lethal Shooter. Fellas, what is going on? Hold on, hold on, hold on. I have a name change. I am no longer Christian Winfield. Okay, Diddy, here we go. Y'all can refer to me as him. I am him. (laughs) Shout outs to Shay Gilgis and shout outs what? to myself. You feel me? You already know the vibe. Excuse him, guys. Thanks for having me too. I'm not calling you right that. So right. you don't gotta call me that. Just say, just change my name in your phone and we, and we Your good. mama calls you Christian. I'm gonna call you Christian. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> anyway, as usual, we want to start the show off by thanking you guys for supporting us and make sure you subscribe to our podcast wherever you happen to be listening. And also get at us on social media at certified buckets. No vowels in the word buckets because why? We're too cool for all that. We're on Instagram and Twitter. Make sure you go ahead and interact with us because you might hear your comments on the air next show. All right, fellas. So we are in week three of the NBA. And mm-hmm. in honor of the world champion Milwaukee Bucks visiting the White House this week. Amazing. Clap it up for them. Hey. We thought it would be the perfect time to do our State of the Union NBA edition. So instead of a presidential seal, we're going to go ahead and put our certified stamp on the first 10 games of the season. So, fellas, let's step up to the mic for an executive edition of Three on Five. All right, y'all. Check ball. It's time for us to go three on five. All right, so as I mentioned, big congrats to the Milwaukee Bucks, the reigning NBA champions who represented themselves at the White House in D.C. this week. Look, the Bucks also represent that small markets can work. They can win the big chit. They can win the whole thing. And listen, this franchise is building and continuing to build in the association. Now, with the league's biggest stars, they usually flock to major cities, right? But Giannis held it down in Milwaukee, and the fan base will never let me forget it, but that's okay. (laughs) Christian, my question for you is, with the preseason promise of big market franchises being the favorites, as they usually are every single year, is it good for the league to have a small market like Milwaukee being crowned the champions? Absolutely. You know, I, I do think that we have we as fans and especially me as a reporter and, and just everybody, we, we love to see success in the big markets, right? Like with the Knicks, for example, right? The, the, everybody says the NBA Talk to me nice, Christian. Talk to me nice. Come on, let me hear you say it. I mean, we've always said the NBA is a better place when the Knicks are good, when the Bulls are good, when the Lakers are good, when the big market teams are good, and it kind of makes you forget about the little guys. But as we're seeing, Milwaukee's not a little guy. That's that's a big team. Milwaukee, the city is pretty cool. I got to hang out there in the playoffs, you know. And it just just seeing that city, you know, outside 
outside of the Pfizer Forum, there's about a, another 10,000 fans out there cheering their team on in the playoffs. And just getting to see those guys have a lot of fun when in reality, you know what I'm saying? A lot of us don't expect that type of energy to come from those smaller markets. I mean, it, it's dope. I love to see it. But at the same time, I'm biased. I'm from New York. You know what I'm saying? And we, we, we need either yeah. one of the teams, Nets, Knicks, wherever it is, New York City needs a championship. So uh, I love the small market stuff. But come on, New York. One of the teams got to do it. I love that you talk about the fan base, and that's so true because I find that, you know, obviously we know what the fan bases in the big cities are right are like, right? But also in the big cities, they also have big expectations. And I think that the small market teams, their fan bases are so dedicated because they're just so grateful, especially when the big names like Giannis decide to, you know, stay with them for the long term. And listen, I've I've gotten the smoke from the small town right. team fan base, and they are fierce, they are protective. And you got to respect it because, you know, a lot of guys, like we mentioned, they want to go ahead and play on the big stage, especially because a lot of them enter the league and they're in those small markets. Their goal is to go ahead and win a chip outside of that and then be on that big stage with all the eyes and the celebrities courtside. So you got to respect the teams that, you know, stick it, stick to their small town roots. And one more thing, you know. Anytime a small market team gets a good player, the first thing anyone talks about is, okay, when is this guy going to leave that small market team? That's true. Right? Right, Everyone right, right. is counting the clock for Donovan Mitchell to leave Utah. Everyone's been, the, the clock's been counting for Damian Lillard to leave Portland. The clock's already started for LaMelo Ball to leave Charlotte, right? Like, you'd love to see. Is Charlotte considered a small, I mean, Charlotte? Uh, yeah, I don't think they're Yeah, because Charlotte's right not that I mean, small. But, but I even, even still, it, it's a mid-sized market with small market problems. Don't nobody want to go to Charlotte? Maybe now somebody does because LaMelo Ball is there. No, Charlotte is dope. Can't Who went to go play with Kemba Walker? Tell me. Tell me one person. But, okay, that's... Yeah, but I, I think... I love Kemba, but people would rather go play with LaMelo. I love Kemba. Nobody went to go play with no, him. No, but I don't know if that has to do necessarily with Kemba or just had to do with the team itself. Listen, right. small town markets, just because it's a small town market doesn't mean it can't be a good team. And I think that right. sometimes the lines are blurred where we kind of ignore the fact that it's not necessarily the market. The team's just not good. Like, for example, right. New Orleans is a dope city. Does anyone want to go to play for New Orleans right now? No, no not because right. New Orleans is not a cool city. It's because the, the team, team sucks. Right. Like, let's just call it what it is. I see what you're saying. I think it's a it's a mix of both, to be honest. But yeah, no, I, I see what you're saying. Lethal, I mean, what you I, thinking? I, I think for the NBA, though, I, I love the Bucks. I have a few clients on the team, but we all know it's about money, so... The NBA would love to keep it the big time teams making it and stuff like that because it's good for money for the NBA. And like you said, here and there is good for the small time market uh, teams to win. But, you know, ratings is what everybody wants. Like, I love the Bucks, but if the Bucks play somebody on another channel and then the Lakers that can have the losing record plays, they're going to get more ratings. You know what I mean? So and I think it's also players like let's let's call it what it is nobody was checking for the bucks before, before Gian- got there. yeah you right. have a good point if Gian- if Giannis wasn't there all yeah. due respect to the bucks franchise they, they probably wouldn't stand a chance Giannis you know I mean? is right. the reigning mvp yeah. you know two times over so it's like he has a great storyline also He's, you, it's hard not to root for him he's a very likable guy right. so it's like i think that you know that small town market thing kind of surpasses or doesn't surpass the right. entity that is Giannis. But if he weren't there, I think the Bucks would be in the situation a lot of small town teams find themselves in. And that's like people really aren't checking for them outside of that, you know, immediate fan base. The right, players right. make all the difference. When's right. the last time we heard anyone talking about the Orlando Magic? Shout outs to Orlando Magic as a Shout franchise. Shout out to Cole Anthony, man. Fact, Cole Anthony, Anthony, that's, that's, that's that a good guy. But that's a small market team that's going to struggle. You know what I'm saying? They're going to they're gonna have to draft well. And that's look it. at that. Look at that example. It's a perfect example because after the Penny and Shaq era and, and the right. T-Mac era, nobody was checking 
in for the Orlando Magic until who? Dwight got Dwight there Howard. and put them back on the map. So again, shout out to Dwight Howard, biggest NBA seventy five snub. Deserves to be on that list, man. I, I'm not dropping that. It's definitely going to be interesting to see what this looks like, you know, years from now in terms of the NBA and, and small town teams versus the big town teams. But topic number two, if the currency of the NBA is buckets, then the economy in the form of shooting percentages and made free throws is all the way down. Now, the league wants a very laissez-faire style type of play, but the players are not loving it. Lethal, is the lack of calls and the lack of buckets making for a better product on the court? And before you answer that, let me go ahead and tell you what Dame said after Tuesday night's loss to the Clippers. He said, and I quote, I feel like the way the game is being officiated is unacceptable. I feel like coming in, the rule change wouldn't affect me because I don't trick the referees. I don't do the trick plays. It's unacceptable. Lethal? Well, before I say that, I have to be very sensitive on how I speak because pages are trying to act like I'm out here I talking. I know, they're trying to get you out the paint. They're trying to get you out the paint. You and me today. I, we caught strays today. I don't know what's Dame, going on. When I say this, it's all due respect. But I'm loving this NBA because Facts. we're not bailing out players anymore with all due respect to the other players that were tricking the system with foolery basketball. And yes, it does hurt certain players because, um, like, for instance, the other day, a few players pump faked. And normally we all know that you just jump into them, you get to the foul line. Or uh, they might go to the basket and uh, hit somebody's arm but shoot. And then it's the smallest little things. So I feel like it does hurt certain players but you have to adjust and Damian Lillard is going to adjust and I and I don't know about you guys but I'm loving just I feel like when they don't call it soft the players mm -hmm. turn into that gritty player they were when they were younger mm. like that AAU player and that high school player and that college player that was hungry I'm not trying to say NBA players aren't hungry but I feel like when the uh, NBA was officiating so soft they were all due respect like prima donnas a little bit because they were always expecting the foul and I was watching the Lakers game when they played against Charlotte the other day um, and AD uh, somebody that I have a good relationship. He was doing certain things that he, he would get fouls for. In the past, he was falling to the ground looking up like, damn, ref, call a call mm -hmm. a fucking foul. But I'm glad they're not calling it because now AD's like, man, fuck this. Next time I go to the basket, I'm dunking on every motherfucking body. And I feel like before, it's just everybody was always expecting fouls, no, no disrespect to anybody. Everybody was playing soft. We see now by the lack of whistles being blown, the game has been elevated to a level. We can honestly yeah. say this is like the, the early 90s in the early 2000s and the, in the late 80s on how hard these guys were playing basketball. It's funny that you, you mentioned the 90s because this was a critique um, that I had of the series against the Hawks for my Knicks, right? Because everyone was talking about that defense and how the defense reminded them of, you know, the 90s heyday. And, you know, when you look at that series, your defense was kind of stripped away from you because with the way that the rules were constructed last season, you couldn't even touch Trey Young without him nice. getting a foul and being at the line. So he was able to kind of go ahead and hack fouls a lot because he knew that if you tried to even, you know, bump him in that pain, if you tried to make him remember you when you, he was down there, it was going to go ahead and result in his favor. So I do love the fact, you know, I'm a big fan of 90s basketball. I love that grit. I do like the fact, you know, that the three ball is more involved in the game than it was back then. But from a defensive standpoint, I absolutely love that the way the game was played. And I agree with you. It's kind of making guys tap into an un 
untapped potential that they didn't even know that they had when it comes to their game because they do not have the safety net of the referees calling every single whistle and the game flows better. And I absolutely love how players are picking up people full court now. And when was the mm. last time we all can right. say that NBA players were picking up players full court? And right. um, all due respect to your nets, um, Chris, players are <laughs> picking up players are picking up James Harden full court now. They're not allowing him to come up the ball, bring the ball up really, really slow anymore. They're picking up him full court because they know, you know, like shit, I could touch him a little bit now. And and if you notice, the best scores, they're so used to not being touched that they're just they're just so bothered by it and just play basketball, just continue yeah. to play. And that's a good point. Cause we talk about James Harden, right? Well, yeah. we had that conversation last show. So I want to ask you, Christian, mm -hmm. is there, or both of you guys actually, is there a middle? Because I do think that we are seeing a drastic decline in production from the craftier players, right? Like James Harden. He's not getting to the line as much. I mean, there was a hilarious video of him celebrating, finally getting a call in yeah. one of the last games, the air, but yeah. he said, thank you, Jesus. Thank mm -hmm. you basketball gods for this. And then you have guys who are kind of relishing in this new way of play. But is it too drastically different too soon to one extreme to another? Is there an equilibrium that we can find to where it's not drastically affecting the product of one player, but it's also not taking away from the defensive abilities of another? Yeah, the line is to call fouls. You know what I'm saying? And one thing that we've seen from referees is, you know, especially in Brooklyn, Steve Nash and James Harden both went on these rants. You know, yes, James Harden has got into the line. I think he averaged 10 free throw attempts per game for like six straight seasons in Houston. It's ridiculous. And yes, a lot of that has been deception, but a lot of that is also players. Like there was one example where he literally shook Gary Trent Jr. into the point where he's backpedaling. Gary Trent Jr. falls on him, try, basically tries to grab him. Ball goes out of bounds. There's no foul called, right? So and, and so those are the instances where it's like, okay, there, James Harden is still getting fouled on some of these attempts, and some of them are not him trying to deceive some of these, these referees. Some of them are players that don't know, that don't have anything else better to do but foul him. Otherwise, he's going to get the bucket. And I think that's what the line is. The refs are, the refs obviously have a preconceived notion about James because of what he's, I mean, it's deserved, right? He, he's been a guy who's been trying to deceive these refs for God knows how long. He basically created a new blueprint for players to get to the line and, and get and add on to their point totals. But now we're seeing these refs are not calling fouls that are actually fouls. And I think that's where it starts. If there's a foul, regardless of ever whoever it is, you got to call it. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely agree with that. It's not we're not playing street ball. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's a foul. That's not a foul. Yeah. Shut up. Yeah, there definitely <laughs> needs to. I've seen that happen at the park. It's actually it's absolutely hilarious to actually watch go down. Yeah. I recommend everybody. I know a lot of people don't live in street ball cities like L.A. and New York, but if you ever have the opportunity to go to DC. a park uh -huh. at D.C. Oh yeah, D. Shout out to D.C. Uh -huh. and actually sit down in the summertime and watch a street ball match. It is absolutely pure comedy. The Facts. commentary that happens, the phrases Facts. that are thrown around, the insults, Facts. the lack of fouls that are called. It is just mm -hmm. a circus of basketball, and I absolutely adore it. I absolutely love it. If you, if you try it. to call too many fouls at the park, you might end up in a fight. <laughs> but I think even as fans, we have been normalized to think certain things are fouls and like and say, oh, man, call a foul, call a foul. Yeah, Bro, yeah, just yeah. Just play. Just play. Yeah. Like, and if you notice somebody like Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant, how many times have you seen him just complain about not getting fouled and stuff. How many times, like, how come Steph Curry is still doing what Steph Curry does? And you know he gets punished. You get what I mean? You have to adapt. And I feel like once James and Dame and Trey and all these guys adapt, it's going to be very scary. I think KD, though, I think KD more so has the, because KD's a hooper. 
Like, yeah, and he's okay. not a hooper just in the NBA. He hoops like street ball. So I right, don't think he right. has an issue with getting fouled. But I do think even for Kevin Durant, there's a limit as somebody who's accomplished as much as he has right. and is like considered one of the best, if not the best player in the league right now. You kind of expect special treatment when it comes to fouls. But I right. don't think KD has a problem getting rough and tough down there. Like, he's a hooper. This is what he does. Yeah. Nah, he doesn't. He'll, he'll complain. He'll complain. To the reps occasionally, but more more right. so his complaining is asking, okay, well, is this not a foul anymore? Right, right. Okay, cool. Well, let me right. let me change the game. You know what I'm saying? Yes, KD KD does a really good job of like asking for clarification. Right, you'll never oh, see yeah. him. I've I can count on maybe like one hand, maybe two, the times I've actually seen him try to fight for a foul. Right. A lot yeah. of the times he goes to the ref and he's like, "How is this not a foul?" Wait, right. we're yeah. not doing this anymore. And that I don't necessarily have a problem with. Like, like remember yeah. his swipe through. His swipe through. I, I oh, was he took that out of his game. He took yeah, it out he, of his he game. Swiped, he, he, he did a swipe through. I forget who yeah. they were playing. And then he looks yeah. at the ref. The ref didn't call. He goes, yo, it's not a foul anymore. And the ref goes, that is a foul, but not this time. That's not yeah, a foul. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I so, remember that clip. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah. it's like, there's a yeah. line there. You got to have that conversation with the refs. But at the same time, some of these are just fouls that they're not calling. And they got to tighten up. Hey, listen here, man. I, I hear what y'all saying, man. Fuck it all. Like, don't call no fouls. <laughs> Let them juice play, man. Facts. I, I agree with you. Play basketball, man. He wants to see him box it out. No, no. I don't want to see boxing, but it's like, I want to just, just play ball. Like, all right, like you said, Ash, like if you get fouled, I mean, it is a business. You got to make your bread, but it's like, of just course. play. The ref going to give you the call. Just play. Mm -hmm. Like everybody, even the Lakers game the other day, I'm watching guys like, all right, you didn't get the foul. You're going to stay down here and complain while your team That's is a really on a good point. Worst, bro, because you know who does that? And there's a critique of him regarding his game in that aspect. And he has to work on that himself is Julius Randle. Julius yeah. Randle's notorious uh, for doing that. Yes. He will yeah. fight a foul to the yeah. death and the so death. much the other that, he, that, he misses, <laughs> that he misses the fast break because <laughs> right. he is so in his own space. Like, why right. isn't this a foul? And then you can kind of right. see it drastically like, change his... Yeah, right. You gotta just keep it pushing, bro. You gotta keep it pushing. Play. Just play right. basketball. Listen. We can't have a State of the Union, though, without mentioning healthcare. And Ooh. the league is only as good as the players are healthy enough to participate. And night to night, we're already feeling the absences of some of the bigger names in the league. Kawhi, Clay, Jamal Murray. And also, let's not forget LeBron James, Jalen Brown, Michael Porter Jr., Colin Sexton. Yeah. Listen, I got to ask you, Christian, do you think that the league can continue to sustain interest when all those big names... Are, are missing time and a substantial amount. You know, one thing I love about basketball and pro sports in general is that anytime someone goes down, someone else is about to step up. You know what I'm saying? For example, look at up, my Jets. Look, look at my Jets, right? Zach Wilson goes down and now it's Mike White o'clock. I wish Mike White didn't get hurt, but that's the guy. You know what I'm saying? And, and pro sports just works in that way. And to be honest, there's nothing that anybody can do. Injuries are part of sports. COVID-19 is now part of life. I can't wait to see what type of young players step up in, in these other guys' absences, man. I think the league is going to be just fine. And honestly, we all know people, people are here now, but we're, we're, we're ready for the playoffs. You know what I'm saying? People, that, that interest is going gonna, is gonna to really peak around them. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a cool opportunity because you, when you have the big names on the court, right, and, and they're getting all the playing time and the camera time and the articles mm -hmm. written about them, you forget that there's other guys on the team there's young right. guys on that team who are looking for their moment and i think now that they're able to come off the bench or you know start or whatever the case may be in absence of you know fill in the blank you're really seeing you know the talent that's kind of been 
going unnoticed for a while. And I think it's cool. I love seeing the young guys get their moment in the sun. I love seeing guys that people may have, you know, given up on, you know, being able to contribute and have a spot. I mean, look at what the Lakers are doing. Look at Carmelo. Let's not forget Carmelo. There was a, there was a point in time that people didn't even want to sign him, that they said he was washed. He was over with, he was done. And he's out there raining threes, draining them like his, with his eyes closed, sending games into overtime and helping the Lakers win in absence of LeBron. You wouldn't see that kind of basketball to that level. I think if LeBron was healthy and he was out there moving and shaking like he always does, I love that storyline. It's also a challenge for the coaches, right? It's, it's showing you all right, who can really coach and who's leaning on their stars. For example, in New York, he's not hurt, but Kyrie's not playing, right? So who's filling up and in, in, who's filling in for him? And then on top of that, what is Steve Nash going to do to make up for, okay, well, we can't score 140 points tonight because we don't have Kyrie. Okay, well, we got to get those loose balls. We got to crash those boards. We got to defend. We got to play. Instead of having an offensive player, we're going to throw DeAndre Bembry in the game. We're going to yeah. throw Bruce Brown in the game. It shows you who can coach and, and who's just leaning on their stars. So, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's part of life. It shows you the difference between coaches and game managers. That there is very is. true. There it uh, is. And that's what we got to start. We got to start uh, exploiting that a lot in the NBA because all due respect, to all the coaches like she just said like <laughs> i mean i feel like if you put me on a, a head coach of some of these teams that's loaded like she said i can manage the game you know what i'm you saying I mean? if you but play anytime someone starts right. a sentence with, with all due respect they about to say something mad disrespectful no, it's right. absolutely true, though, because you you look at it if you have a team let's just use the warriors for example when they were in their heyday and this is no disrespect to steve kerr but if you have a warriors roster that looks like that Right. You know Just how sit hard, down and how be much, quiet. Co- how much coaching do you actually have to do? Right. You know the what I mean. Those, those, the players are going to figure it out. They have the talent to figure it out. That's not like coaching a say. Um, Orlando Magic team that's still so young and they don't have some of the bigger names. You got to figure out like what schemes work, what don't. Um, yeah. it's, it's completely different. I agree with that. I mean, it, it's there's a difference between game managers. And I think this is the tell. I think also this is going to be a huge test for um, someone who's kind of been straddling that line. And that's, you know, out in L.A. with the Clippers. I think Ty Lu has had a lot of, you know. Um, negative narratives surrounding him about is he really a coach or is he just a game manager? Is he just right. a, a player's coach? Do people just like him? So, you know, that's why he gets jobs. But does he really know the X's and O's to the point where he can coach? I think the absence of Kawhi is really going to be um, the telltale sign for this team, what he does with this Clippers team in his absence. Because you can't forget, in Cleveland, he had LeBron James. Right. And a lot of people want to make it, you know, there's a lot of conversation out there that LeBron really was coaching that squad. Well, LeBron and coaches Ty was every just team, the mouthpiece, and he's the so. GM. <laughs> It's it, true. So you this could say is that moment. Similar. Yeah. yeah, you could say the same thing about Steve Nash. Absolutely. He took the job last season. You got Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, James Harden. I mean, you could put me on the sideline and be like, all right, go figure it out. But this year, it's like, okay, now we're going to see what type of coach Steve Nash really is. You don't got Kyrie. James Harden not looking like himself. Kevin Durant is still that guy, but the rest of the roster is like, okay, well, what do you do with that? Steve Nash is out here coaching, man. It's something you love to see. Listen, as much as we like to keep it between the lines on this show, it is our duty to acknowledge some of the more jaw-dropping scandals that have popped up on the floor this NBA season already. And there's a few. So Portland Trailblazers GM Neil Olshay is under investigation for creating a toxic workplace environment, which includes bullying, profanity-laced tirades, and intimidation tactics. Now, this is fresh off the reports about Phoenix Suns owner, Robert Sarver, who's being accused of racism and misogyny. Now, fellas, this is a very tough topic, but Lethal, I'm going to start with you. What do you make of these ugly, just ugly off the court stories? 
Yeah, it's just the the reality is right now in today's world, more stories are coming to light because people aren't afraid to speak up. Um, it's, it sucks because some of these people are like the main reason why these guys get checks and they're the main reason on what guys are being picked. So right. it, it hurts. You know, it hurts for me um, that that's a bas- basketball fan. And most importantly, I mean, these are people that make big time decisions. And if you feel like your heart is like that, you shouldn't you shouldn't be in sports, you know, because I feel like everybody should be equal. Everybody should be treated right. And I feel like if you have that type of mentality, you know, like like kick rocks, like your your negative Facts. energy. Um, everybody's trying to spread a, a, a different type of awareness right now. And if you have that type of intentions with your heart, you're a sour person and you're just somebody that should be exposed. So I feel like if there's more GMs or more people in the front office that that have those type of intentions, man, just just do everybody a favor and just get another job because nobody's going to deal with that type of that type of behavior anymore. If, if you're not for equality, if you're not for pushing that, you know, everybody's the same or and, and if you're pushing racist type topics and stuff like that, like nobody's going for that. Like, just just move on. So it's that's also just- it's also crazy to me. I mean, to just relate this to something in pop culture so that it's easy for people to digest is Mm. i don't know if you guys watch billions but i remember the episode of billions where they wouldn't give bobby axelrod a football team because he wasn't clean enough so it's Mm. so mind-boggling to me that in the real world you have these types of men these types of owners because they're not just men it's just a few men that have been publicly outed but i'm sure there's women you know that are guilty of this as well absolutely um that they actually own these teams and have owned them for a very long time. I mean, and that's how they feel about the athletes. 17 years of, of detail of, of stories is a very long time. That's how they feel. Cause think about this. Like, yeah, it sucks how they're getting caught. Like a girl might be recording and somebody might say the N word, yeah, that dumb N word or that big lip pony. Or and it's like, no, what? Oh like, God. are you kidding me? Like, Wait, no, seriously. Like, <laughs> like if you feel this type of way about people, like you really need help. You like all due respect to the owners. Like, it's a reason why they vote other owners in because they don't want certain owners to own teams because things right. will start changing. They want to keep that old way of that mentality that we're going to have our boys club type guys to run those. I don't want to use the word, but run those guys. No, no, no. And that, and that's, and that's what it is too, because I think, you know, and Christian and I were having this conversation earlier today is right. I think it's also the messenger, right? Because right. let's, let's, let's be honest within certain communities, you make jokes about people within your community, right? You, right. And there's that level of camaraderie, that level of understanding, that level of just humor between culture and culture, right? You, what black people can say to each other, a white person can't say to a black person and it, right. and it, it hits the same way. So, I think, you know, in instances, you know, with John Gruden and things like that, where there's these off color statements and derogatory statements and racially undertoned statements, it probably wouldn't have gotten the same reaction if it were coming from a black owner talking about someone in their, you know, in their facility, in their organization that also happens to be black. Because I think that there's a level of, oh, that's just a joke. We just joke inside. But when it comes from a white person or someone not in that community, it now you're looking at it like, okay, wait, is that racist? Like, are you saying, what are you, what are you implying? Like, no, these the- are facts. These are facts. Cause listen, like, and what we're talking about is the John Gruden report when he called, when he called, I forget what the guy's name is. I think he said, he said he had black Michelin man. tire yeah, lips. He, he said or, another yeah, black yeah. man had lips the size of Michelin tires. If Fire him. my boy said I had lips the size of Michelin tires, I would be crying laughing, right? Just because that's that's probably how we joke around, right? If that's my man's. 
Mm-hmm. But if that's somebody who doesn't look like me, right, or if that's somebody who's white or of a different background, it hits differently, and we all and have it's not, those and things. it's not, and it, listen, that doesn't make it right. It's not fair. Right. You know what I mean? No, because if something not, but... is, if something is, is, is derogatory or it's hurtful or whatever the case may be, regardless of who it comes from, it doesn't make it any less. Mm, you know what I mean? But yeah. unfortunately, the way that the world works is that. You know, when you make jokes like, okay, for example, if, you know, Dave Chappelle's making a joke and it's about black people, black people are like, oh, how dare he? But when he makes a joke about a community he's not from, that's where the backlash comes from. And I think that this is a big part of that. You're seeing white owners, white billionaires talking about black players, black um, employees in their organization in a very racially undertoned, heavy um, rhetoric and it's coming across differently than it would if like say your boy said it to you or a teammate sent it to you. Speaking specifically about these owners, you know, and GMs, it's a problem because it also yeah. it makes you wonder also like what else are they saying behind the not, not only that, that but it's like not even it's not and, like and that, one thing this is what I kind of wanted to get into real quick. Where would we be if that Donald Sterling tape never actually surfaced? You know what I'm saying? Like that kind of that but put a lot of pressure it, on the it's, NBA. It's crazy you bring that up though because it also makes you wonder, you know, the level of uncomfortableness that these players find themselves in on a daily basis because yeah. if you talk about that before with I mean, and there was a sit down with I believe he was on the Conan O'Brien show. I'm mm. not 100% sure. I think it was that show though. Blake Griffin, you know, when that came out, he mm-hmm. was actually talking about when he first got to the Clippers, how, you know, Sterling was kind of dragging him around the party like a show pony. And he was looking mm. at it like, you know what I mean? It was an all yeah. white party and, and Sterling was the only one dressed in black. And he said he was like, no way. Like, yeah. Wow. So it makes you wonder also, like, you know, if there's uncomfortable things that transpire that the public doesn't even know about until it just gets so boiled over, it explodes and yeah. it makes you feel for these players because they're really just there to hoop and, and win that's championships. Why, and that's why and I respect games. people like Bron. Because I tell you one thing, Le- LeBron gonna open his mouth and he ain't gonna let nobody right. disrespect him and and he and he does it the way he wants to do it. That's why we need more players. I'm not trying to tell you everybody's a boss like LeBron, but that's why we need more players to stand up. So it can be more, uh, be more equal out here. So here's one thing I do know for a fact: I expect the NBA to get to the bottom of it all. Oh, they're gonna um, get just to the look at their track it. record of what happened with Donald Sterling, what happened in Dallas, what's happening in just different circles. I, I, I think the NBA they're gonna take their time, right? Because there's no like video, there's no tape recording, but they're going to get to the bottom of that. So shout out to the league; they always find yeah. out. You know what? what? Really that was huge. What you said right there. Shout out to the NBA because they they yeah. have zero tolerance and they're not going for the bullshit. I not like going for none of it. They yeah. already know the vibe. This ain't the NFL. They don't play that. Yeah. So. Oh, the NFL. We checked those emails. Jesus, it's eight. <laughs> oh. we ain't never gonna see those emails. We're gonna go ahead and end the State of the Union on a brighter note because Rocks. the future, the future is bright in the NBA, baby. Listen, right. it has been wildly impressive thus far. And when I say wildly impressive, of course, I'm talking about the rookie class. Jalen Green, Evan Mobley, Scotty Barnes, or just some mm-hmm. of the players making names for themselves already this season. Christian, this rookie class, man, is special. How 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 have they stood out to you in such a short time in their young careers? The first thing I got to do is is apologize to Toronto Raptors fans. I was wrong about your team. Y'all play hard, and y'all got a Kawhi. Did they come for you? Did they come for you? The Toronto they, they didn't come, come for you? me, but oh. if they do, uh, just know this is an apology, and this is an apology because they play so hard. 
And it looks like they have their heir to the Kawhi Leonard throne, and that's Scotty Barnes. I watched Scotty Barnes get back-to-back steals on Kevin Durant. Nobody does that. Nobody rips the ball. He ripped the ball from Kevin Durant. And he has a great name. He has a great basketball yeah, that's, name, that's a Scotty Barnes. Scotty Barnes is, is here for a while. I, I think he might end up winning Rookie of the Year um, just because of what I've been able to see just in one game. His activity, just defensively, everything. Um, and then another guy that I really liked what I saw in Chicago, Ayo DeSumo. Um, I believe he's also from Chicago, just plays hard. I think he hung like 20 points on the Nets off the bench, just straight energy. You know what I'm saying? That's what I like. I like a lot of these rookies. You know what I'm saying? I got to watch Kay Cunningham play. I uh, like what Jalen Green is bringing. But Detroit basketball. Yeah, facts. Shout out to the Pistons. They're a couple years away from being a couple years away. Um, Damn. But, yeah, I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> they, they're not here yet. But I mean, but, but Lethal, I want to ask you, you know, from a training standpoint, as someone who's played the game, like, I, f- I think we can go out and say this may be one of the most talented and just automatically just ready to go rookie classes we've seen in a while. Right. Why do you think that is? Is is the training getting better? Is the is the opportunity to train with NBA players or NBA level trainers just more mm. available to people? Like, why are we seeing such ready to go rookies? That's a great question. Hey, man, thank you for that question. You're the welcome. resources are so much better now than before um i feel like the the rookies that are coming in are prepared for the nba now and it's not like back in the day where rookies were confused i feel like all the resources especially the body working and you hit on the nose trainers some of these guys being eighth grade with two trainers and the weight coach and the body coach and the and the and the body knee person and it's just crazy the body knee person. <laughs> yeah it's just it's just mind-blowing what these young athletes are getting they're, they're more than prepared and a good example is what Chris said. I was watching Scotty the other day. These young dudes aren't coming in being prima donnas. They're not coming in trying to look pretty. These dudes are diving on the ground. These dudes are taking charges. These dudes are che- looking at people that they looked up to their whole life and checking them full court to, to snatch the ball away from them. And that's yeah. the type of tenacity we want to see. And to re- reference back to what we spoke about before, if the refs was calling those weak-ass fouls, the rookies wouldn't be this aggressive. So this is why I love today's NBA because these rookies aren't scared. They're going nose to nose with superstars and they're coming smack into your living room to show you this is the new NBA and we're coming to take the throne. And that's what I love to see, especially from this, especially Jalen Green. I love just he's attacking the rim. He reminds me so much how you said, Ash, how he attacks the rim. Like you love Jaw, how he attacks. Mm-hmm. I feel like Jalen is the same way. When J- when Jalen goes in there, he doesn't give a fuck who's in there. Like he's trying to bring the whole house down. And that's what we love to see. And how are you doing this as a rookie? Mm-hmm. You're a right. rookie and there's three people in there and you're taking off from the dotted line. And this is what I love to see. And, and I agree with you guys. Like to me, I can compare this rookie class, I think, to that Ray Island class with, mm-hmm. I think it was Stephen wow. Mulberry. Like this rookie class is real. And I don't know if you guys have been watching Evan lately. Oh my goodness. Like he's Yo, so he reminds me. I'm not trying to say he's as good as him, Uh-oh. but he the how long his arms are and how he's able to move. He reminds me of Kareem Abdul Jabbar. Bu- like it's unreal. Like I don't think he's getting enough tension that he deserves. Like the stuff that he does. You he know shouldn't. why? He's in a small market. Yeah. <laughs> he's in Cleveland. I'll tell you this much. If he wasn't getting the attention he deserved, he yeah. was getting when he played the New York Knicks. I can tell oh you that my much goodness. because yeah. I'm that boy could shoot. I yeah. was in here the corner three against y'all. The I'm Knicks like, oh, were getting nah. smacked, and I was just yeah. in awe of him. I was yeah, like, this man. kid is the real deal. Like, and here's it- the other side. The, the other side of being a rookie that I actually love is that this is the first time these kids are getting a, being able to touch real money. 
Mm. Like, imagine what they're able to do for their families. Like, we know where they come from. A lot of these kids come from places that we came from. You know what I'm saying? I yeah, grew up yeah, in Best Eye. Sure. You grew up in Flatbush. Lethal, you grew up in the DMV. I'm sure you already know the vibes. And for them to be able to be able to retire their families, that was one thing. When Spencer Dinwiddie signed his first big check in Brooklyn, the first thing he said was, yeah, I'm going to be able to buy my mom's a house and retire mm. my parents. And I'm like, yo, that I is, know. like, I, I want to give it up. So the rookies are more wise now. They've watched yeah. the mistakes that everybody used to mm-hmm. make. They're not getting the first check and say, oh, let me buy a Bentley. No, they're saying like, let me buy land or let me buy an investment. Let me invest. Let me buy some buy- Bitcoin. Yeah. Go buy some crypto. You know the vibes. But, but I'm that's, saying that's like. That's a really good point though. Yeah, I mean, I, that- I, I, I say that because I, when I sat down my interview with, with Penny Hardaway in Memphis. Oh, wow. That's legendary. Congrats, um, by the way. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. You, make, you make us look good. When you do stuff like that, it, it, it makes my brand go up so continue to kill it (laughs) no but i think about sitting also with him was jalen and imani and they spoke about one of the reasons that they committed to memphis and and they entrust penny is because he was one of the first athletes to kind of show you the blueprint of what life can be outside of the game and, and they trust him but i think one thing that also stood out to me was imani I think the social media age that you know the rookies from years prior didn't really have didn't really have and, and the the access wasn't as you know impressive as it is now. But Imani says he's had conversations with Kevin Durant, a player that he's been compared to. Yeah. You know they talk about you know you should do this or you should do that, and and he critiques his game and he gives him pointers. That's just like priceless knowledge that oh, yeah. guys like Kevin Durant when they were coming up didn't have access to. Funny you say that, Kevin Durant when they played against the Pistons in Detroit, Kevin was like, yeah, I love playing against. K because that's my guy. He's like, that's really one of my guys. He's like, he actually, like, they text all the time. Yeah. It was trash talking on the floor because the, they got that rapport. He's been watching him and giving him love and mentorship since high school. It's like, yo. People will say a lot of things about KD, especially when it comes to the Twitter world and in things yeah. like that, and they'll try to pull up old tweets on him. Like, they nah, do he's all real. of us. He's a, he's but a KD real is one of the basketball players that I can say that I know for a fact. When he talks about mentorship and he talks about, you know, paving a way for the next generation, he mm-hmm. means it. And that's just not with the NBA. He does it with the WNBA as well. Like, he is a very much like, listen, I'm sharing this knowledge because I'm not going to be here forever, but you can ball Facts. out. You know what Facts. I mean? And I love, I love that because a lot of guys don't have that kind of mentality. So that does it for three on five. We got a special guest in the building. Mr. M.I.A. Yo, the biggest boss himself, Rick Ross. Ross, how you doing today, Woo! man? <laughs> Rose? How you so doing today, man? How we do it right. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Thank you so much for taking the time out, man. We appreciate you. We know you're busy. Um, so, honestly, let's just get right into it. We know that you're one of the biggest Miami Heat fans walking the planet. What you what you thinking about this team this year? What you they looking pretty all right? Man, I'm gonna be honest, man. I'm real optimistic. I smell a chip. Oh, oh. Yeah, damn! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bold, very bold statement, but I feel we got the team for it, man. And um, if we didn't pull it off this season, I most definitely feel like those next three seasons gonna be all ours. Right now, you guys had some some key additions. You brought in Kyle Lowry. You brought yeah. in PJ Tucker. You already had Jimmy Tucker. Butler. You already had Bam. <laughs> Right. Which which one of those guys do you think are, are the most important in terms of the new guys that you were able to bring in? I love the experience Tucker bring to the team. Mm. You know what I'm saying? We know Butler, you know, took us where we went, what, three seasons ago, whatever. You know, we had a, we had a good dance, but I love the experience Tucker bring to the team because it's really all young guys. Right. Even though they dope, Duncan, Hero, Bam, you know, just the whole squad. They really young guys, you know mm. what I'm saying? Because Butler really young when it come to 
the longevity of what his potential is. You know what right. I mean? So I believe Tucker was um, the great addition to those youngsters and shit. Let's turn up. Right. You you mentioned Bam, you mentioned Duncan, and you pulled up to heat practice back in September. Bam told me you showed up. Were you getting yeah, buckets? Yeah. How did how did yeah. that how did that look? Man, I just had to come show love to the squad. You know what I mean? Um, you know, Lespostra Nostra, I am a part of the gang. You know what I'm saying? You feel me? You feel me? And then, you know, just showing everybody love, all the new additions to the city, just letting them know, man, you know, because a lot of times the players be want to know are they connected to the inner city, to the community. Right. Right. And that's what I come out there and let them know. You know, we know you here. The love is there. It's genuine. All you got to do is do what you do. And whenever you ready and got time, we here for you. The city here, come out, kick it. And that's all it was. And we've been staying in touch since. Well, Bam spoke very highly of you. He says you're a good energy. You're a good vibe. You know, it's good to have good Miami Heat fans around. And the Morris brothers were also there. They got into a little spat with the Jokic brothers on Twitter after that fight transpired. A lot I've of people said a lot of people said that Jokic <laughs> gave a cheap shot by pushing Morris in the back. How do you feel about it? Do you feel like it's just the nature of the beast? You can't push and not get pushed back. How do you feel about it? Well, you know, going going that's that's idea is based on what Shaq said. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Shaq said, if you push him, just know it's coming back. You know what I mean? Facts. But it might have been a bit of, it might have been a bit aggressive. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because Morris made some contact. We all seen that. That was obvious. But it wasn't to the extent the homie went. Right. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. And Morris know, had turned his back, too. Like, you don't ever want to run down on somebody that got their back turned. I just watched jay Z new movie, Harder They Fall. You know, you ain't mm-hmm. supposed to shoot somebody. In exactly. Back. Yeah. Exactly. Well, listen, they they roll into town. I think it's what, November 29th? Are you going to be at the rematch and then see it front close, up close in person? Oh, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be screaming. I'm going to be talking that mess too. Yeah! Yeah! Yeah, I'm going to be doing all that. You know what I'm saying? I got to love it. You got to love it. Lethal, talk to the man. What's going on? Nah, just basically, man, I respect what you stand for. The biggest thing you just said to me that's huge, you said about the inner city. Uh, I'm from D.C. Uh, You know, I know Wale and Fat Trail and all those guys. Me and Fat Trail grew up in the same neighborhood. And that's what it's all about, connecting the NBA player to the inner city. And that's one thing I respect about you because I see you doing a lot of stuff in the community. Another thing I I respect about you, I was telling um, Ashley as well, you're not a one trick one trick pony. I know a lot of people that invest. You had a, uh, something at your house a few months that boy back. Said one trick pony. Yeah, Damn. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm saying you a Damn. businessman. Um, being a, being an African American entrepreneur, not just a rapper. Where did this concept come from for you to expand your business, not just in rapping, but in all different type of avenues, so you can be the boss that you really are? I really just feel like, man, uh, wherever life take you, just go after it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because you're going to find yourself in the room with certain opportunities that you may have never really seen. Um, and voila, here you are. Yep. You may end up a goddamn weather. You, ne- you never know. You just yeah. don't know. And if it's something you want to do, if it's something you're cool with, don't stop. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So that's what it is with me. That's it. You know what I'm saying? We know music is my passion. Yeah. It's 25 other things I do. But the one I love is making music. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Everything else most definitely is business, but I just follow what it is. And man, we done had a lot of success. Our, our producers do a great job of dropping facts on us. And here's something I didn't know. In, in 2014, you you and Diddy were rumored to have made an offer for the Los Angeles Clippers. Is, is that real? 
Man, you know, me and Diddy used to do a lot of different, you know what I'm saying? Uh, we was out in Vegas, you know what I'm saying? Me and the homie, we done, uh, he done lost a million dollar bet to me out there. Baby. Mm. Shout out to <laughs> so it's like, when you out there, you at the fights, you turned up, you know what I yeah. mean? You done had a few bottles of Bel Air, some shots of Ciroc, ain't no telling what the damn bets might be. You know right, what I'm right, right, right. But I still, right now, I'm still interested in getting a, a small percentage of a, NFL or NBA team, so you know what I mean. We might okay. need to revisit that conversation without a doubt. Um, my, yeah, money you, in a, my money in a different place now. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> if you if you were to be in charge of of an NBA team right now, is there a player that you would pick to build your team around? Like, who's the one guy that you'd be like, Nah, I need him on my team. You know me, man. Um, I feel like I just invest in the Heat. <laughs> Facts. That's yeah. what I'm. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. we really got some beautiful. We got some beautiful additions, right? And like I say, I'm one of them people that could look three seasons ahead. You know, mm. and I, I already know what it is. I'm mm. confident. I know we'll bring that paper. You know, we'll bring them big trophies back. We'll be in that back I was telling these I was telling these guys that I was in Miami during the, the prime years. I was those were my college years and Miami was a hell of a time from live to the streets. It was just a movie. Can you can you explain for people who weren't as lucky as, as you and I to be in that environment what it was like during the big three era and all those championships? Oh man, the big three era, you already know what it was, man. You talking. I mean, really, you know, we could argue forever, but that's Bosch, that's D-Wade, that's LeBron James. Mm, right. You understand? So, come on, man, that's Wade County, that's AKA Crash, <laughs> LeBron James, AKA the King. You know, that's why he, you know. Yeah. Right. You know, being in Miami, they really was asking, is that Yayo? You know what I'm saying? So it was just it was just one of them things where we we never questioned if we was gonna, you know, get a chip. We never even questioned it. You know what I'm saying? We went and got three men, lost another one or two, but every season was exciting. Mm. You know what I'm mm. saying? And if we lost to somebody, it most definitely was somebody who earned it. Right. Listen, you, you can't talk about you can't talk about the big three and the, and the biggest boss without without also talking about the president of the three hundred five, and that's Udonis Haslam. And he mm. he came out and said that he Fast. wants ownership in the Miami Heat at one point. You know, I know Haslam. I know you know Haslam. People in Miami know what Haslam means to the three hundred five to Dade County. But for people who don't, can you just talk about like when you say he's an OG, why it really applies to Udonis Haslam? Well, because for one, Udonis Haslam was born and raised in the county of Dade. Mm. You know, he's a real product of the streets. He mm -hmm. speaks for the streets. But at the same token, on the other side of that coin, he's so disciplined. He's such a hard worker. He's so dedicated. And it goes beyond basketball just for the Miami Heat. He's the face of the Miami Heat. Once the Christmas giveaways, the this giveaways, the this, the this. Whenever I'm going to pull up to do something for somebody who needed, right before I pull up, have them walking out. You know what I mean? Wow. It's one of those type of situations for us. So I have a whole nother level of respect for the homie. You know, nothing is too big or too small for him. And I wish him nothing but the best. And the only person that deserves a small piece of the Miami Heat before Ricky Rose. <laughs> and, the first, and the only time I'm going to ever say this, 
the only person that owned a piece of the Miami Heat before Rick Ross is Udonis Haslam. He he has a lifetime contract with the Miami Heat. And I mean, the guys that come in and out of that organization, especially the young guys, the Rooks, they speak so highly of him and what he means to the team and what he has meant to their individual development. Why do you think that? I mean, it's rare to have a lifetime contract with one team your entire career. It's easy. It's easy for you, D. And the reason why and the reason I'm going to tell you this is I was just at the Heat game, the game before last you know, that we had at home and I'm sitting, I call them the Pat Riley seats. <laughs> <laughs> right. And because it's it's a small gap and then I'm sitting, the rest of the team players begin right to my left. And what Udonis does is he gives them the inside points. He gives them that communication where they don't got to get it from a coach. They don't got to get it from corporate. They don't got to get it from, nah, he gonna give it to them when they come from out. They come off that court and they sitting down. He already in their ear, giving them that game, giving them that confidence. And I'm looking over that. I say, damn, that's priceless. Mm-hmm. He'll put that fire under everybody who need it, without it having to be Eric Spoelstra or anybody else. That's from corporate. I like to call him corporate. But um, <laughs> he most definitely priceless. And I was just like, damn. I was watching it like, yo, we all need somebody on our shoulder giving us that that push. I got I tell I've told the guys this story before. My one of my first biggest interviews was with Pat Riley and I was like 21 years old, 22 and I was so nervous. Wow. He just yeah, he has just like this they when I say they call him when they call him the Godfather, there's a reason for that. He just has a very mafia right. godfather just persona. Can you tell us a story about the first time you met Pat Riley and what that meeting was like cuz it's like boss meets boss. And that had to be a very alpha conversation. Well, I'm gonna be honest, I think it just came from, you know, first him hearing me screaming from those cheap seats. <laughs> and I worked my way up, you know what I'm Not saying? Because seat. yeah, 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 those cheap seats. And I worked my way up. I never was really in the nosebleeds, but I was seven, eight rolls. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> you know, they, they heard me, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I my way up and bam, you know, he embraced me. You know what I mean? The whole squad, the whole, just the whole organization really embraced me. And now when I come, you know what I'm saying? You know, I move with the team. You know what I'm saying? Right. It's my love. So I'm the supposed for Nostra. That's what I like. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. You know, while we got you, I do have a music question for you. Because you... You are part of one of my favorite songs of all time, and that's Devil in a New Dress. You and Kanye, Oof, just right. the, the melody on that song, especially between his verse and your verse, that interlude, it just sounded like it was just a perfect mix of his style and your style. Can you tell me how that came together, the track and, and that interlude between the two verses? Yeah, you got to salute the producer, Bink. Okay. Which, you know, you know, I don't know how much you know they put together, because by the time I came in the studio, I know the foundation was Bink. But Kanye and the other homie um, from out of Houston, Texas, Mike Dean, mm. um, you know, it was it wasn't, you know, all put together totally. But the vibe was there. Right. And I, I came in, you know, I smoked one. You know, mm. we in Hawaii. I'm ready to get back out. Wow. To the waves. Oh, yeah. 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 I'm ready <laughs> to go see some things. So yeah. I, I, I wrote a verse and I laid a verse. And it's one of the first and really one of the few times this may have ever happened to me. Uh, Kanye heard the verse and came back and was like, yo, the verse was cool, but I know you, man. Mm. I know you. 
You know, he got deep on me. I know you, man. I know you. Yeah. I can envision this whole conversation. You could go, you could go harder than this. Right. I know you. And I looked at him and I said, this motherfucker serious, huh? Okay. Okay. I said, okay. I said, yo, I told my homies that was outside. I know they had the beach and all that lined up. Just mm. tell everybody chill. And I went back in and I took my time and, and I wrote the verse that you heard. And that's when he came back. I told you, man, I believe you. <laughs> yeah, so. No, nah, that's a legendary so track. One time right for, there, yeah. Right? Yeah, that's yeah, without a doubt. Without so a doubt. then yeah. the stories about, you know, we saw it played out on social media about Donda and how he was taking people on and off and tweaking this and tweaking that and how it was supposed to drop one week and then got pushed back and then got pushed back. That's really an ode to his just meticulous creativity yeah, yeah, as yeah, an yeah. artist. Yeah, without a doubt. And I feel like as an artist, you deserve that. If something mm-hmm. pops up last minute, because as an artist, a lot of times you can have a record that you're waiting on a clearance and they could tell you everything's fine. It's all good. And then mm. this and that. And then it takes just one person out of 15 signature to hold everything up and mm-hmm. down. Now you got to take a sample out and the beat don't sound the way it really did. It don't make you feel the way you you, you used to feel. And right. now let's take it off. Uh, let's redo the whole beat. And, you know. Um, you know, as fans, a lot of times it's, it's frustrating, but I think as an artist, it's worth it. Mm-hmm. So you can really paint that vision the way you really want them to receive it. And, you know, you will love it that much more. Lethal, you quiet over there, bro. I know you, nah, you got some man, questions I, on I mean, Lethal is starstruck. Yeah, no, nah, I ain't really starstruck, but I just feel like he's definitely one of the pioneers in the culture of basketball because I train, you know, I help about 15 NBA teams right now. I, I train rappers as well. I train like Drake and all and different guys of that nature. But you're one of the people that I feel like in the basketball community, you're one of the people when you think about the NBA game, you and different people, y'all real hoopers, like real hoopers that love the game, not just trying to use the culture because you are the culture. And the one thing I could ask you is before the Miami Heat days, before all of that, what, what, what brought your love to the game? Like, what's that one moment you can remember as a kid that you was like, damn, I, I love the game, man. Like, I really love basketball, man. Like, like what was that well, moment? Well, for me growing up in my household, my mama was a basketball, NBA, NFL fanatic. Right. I love it. You know what I'm saying? So by, by the time I was in the first and second grade, I knew everybody mm. that started on the Dolphins, offense right. and defense. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? It don't matter. I've been hearing Don Shula names since I was, you know what I mean? And so that, of course, that spilt over into the NBA as well. Mm-hmm. I, I might have been in the fifth grade and I remember her. We just got Sherman Douglas. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? People don't even yeah. know Sherman. I remember that name like it was yesterday. Just as, you know, it was just as, as vivid as anybody else because, you know, my mom just one of those sports fanatics and that just yeah. spilled over to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just, it was just natural for me. So now, I'm even goddamn. I watch soccer now, man. It's yeah, just, I need some help, man. Yeah. I never thought I would be into that, but it, it it's baseball now. Mm-hmm. You know, one time for the Braves, salute. You know, um, I watch a little soccer. Y'all been man. seeing me on the golf course. Yeah, I, I saw you riding a horse last week, bro. Yeah, man. Yeah. I, 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 I ride <laughs> what was that experience? Horse, what was that experience like? Was it your first time on a horse, or no? It wasn't my first time, but I remember. Me just recalling my first time, I had an older guy, an older military 
veteran come over. He put me on the horse. Ten minutes later, I just left him. I just just took off. Because I was just so confident in ten minutes. He gave me the game, you know, the tug to the left, right, pull back, this, that. The the horse was so calm that I just took off. And that may have been the (laughs) third or fourth time I was ever on the horse. Respect. He was out there like the cowboys in the heart of they fall, just galloping. Oh, (laughs) that that show was fire. It's time time for a fat cowboy. (laughs) Seriously. Listen, seriously. you should have pitched that to Jay Z and, and got a cameo in the movie. What were you doing? I might send him a text for the remake. Makes the film. Hey, listen, I know we, I know we only got you for a set, a, a little mo- bit more time. I wanted to go back to something you was talking about. You know that the Heat obviously won back to back titles in, in twenty twelve and twenty thirteen. I know those celebrations had to be crazy. What, what mm. were some of those those oh, championship man. celebrations like? Man, it was next level. You got to remember. You you got to remember. We had just won one with Shaq. I want to say mm, that was right. 06. Mm-hmm. and that was the real. That was when we really took D-Wade and held him up high. Like, yep, yo, yep. we see he going to sacrifice it all. Right. So from that 016, you know, once again, that's us being patient, confident. Boom, we back. Right. Those back-to-back, man, with, you know, come on, man. That's where everybody, everybody, it was just every, everybody was in the city. Mm. Pat Riley was out doing. (laughs) You know he loves a good dance too. You know it was just it was just one of those eras where like yo we could do this as long as we want to. That's Mm. the way it felt, you know, with the team. Of course, Bosch, everybody else, all the other pieces that was around. Come on, man, that shit was we were untouchable. Yeah, I mean, you you talk about those pieces, and I think you know a lot of people look at Bam Adebayo that's and say he could be the future of the Miami Heat the way that D Wade was, and and he's the center of that team. Do you believe that's possible? And in your conversations with Bam, if you've had any, you know, what are some of the things that impress you most about him for somebody so young? Oh, he most definitely focused. You know what I'm mm. saying? When I went to kick it with the homie, he still had his mask on. Still kicking it with him. He like, did. I saw the picture. He did told, have his yeah. mask on. I told yeah, you ain't gonna be able to give him the fungus. He ain't going. He ain't going. He ain't going. He is focused. You heard me? Mm. You heard me? And so it's just when you when you meet a youngster whose future is so bright ahead of right. them, who you see working harder, like these off days, like when everybody else gone from the team, everybody else gone home. The, the tops down on the Ferraris, you know, they ride under underneath the palm trees, and then it's four or five players that still stand behind that's just shooting that same shot for 80 right. times in a row. That's it's like, damn. That's yeah. That's dedication. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that, you know, that's that Hall of Fame shit. And, and you get to see that pretty up close and personal, right? Because you sit basically on the floor. What's like your the, what's like your favorite moment from being courtside, or maybe you said something to a player who was who was running up and down the court, and maybe you were sitting next to somebody. You got any one memory from sitting courtside that stands yeah, out yeah, over yeah. the other ones? I, I forgot. I want to say um, it was the Heat. We was playing somebody. And um, Big Baby, he was talking shit to somebody on the <laughs> team. Oh, brother. And I started talking shit to him. And then he ran by me and we both tried to kick each other <laughs> when he ran by. <laughs> yeah. So I tried to clip him and he tried to kick me. And so it was just one of them things. And then, you know, next time we saw each other, we was on a flight together. And mm. we had a few drinks and a few laughs and shit. And it was just <laughs> yeah, a good time. 
Yes, what, was, like what, what was your first time courtside like? Because going right. to a basketball game is an experience, right? Just being there, being able to root for your favorite team or an opposing team or whatever the case may be. Right, but right. sitting on the court, sitting on the wood, that's like I've made it. I can mm-hmm. trip a ref if I wanted to. Mm. What was that first right. time like for you? I truly can't recall it, but I can only imagine. I wanted to make sure I got a lot of photos. <laughs> <laughs> I can only imagine. Respect. Like, yo, oh, get my pictures shit. up. I'm finna shoot my ex a few and let her know this what she missed. <laughs> she right. could have had that big bag of popcorn. <laughs> This could Hell be you, yeah. but you were playing. So, All right. yes. playing games. You was playing. I love uh, it. Yeah. That's absolutely hilarious. <laughs> now, of course, we got to give you a chance to plug yourself. Obviously, your album "Richer Than I Ever Been" is dropping. You know what I'm saying? As Rick Ross fans, we can't wait to listen to it. What can What can you tell us about the album that that maybe other people don't know, or maybe that other people aren't expecting to come from your project? Well, you know, this album I, I may have been even more personal as far as me putting it together. It was a few nights in the studio. Mm. You know, I just sat in there, you know what I'm saying, by myself, and it just feel good because for me, um, it's just about making records that's timeless. Mm. You know, a lot of people, you couldn't imagine us doing Pop Dad or some of the collaborations we have right. where we out on tour now and run out on stage and you would think this shit just came out six months ago. Mm. And this shit came out, you know, damn near 10 years ago. You know what right. I mean? So it's just, it's just about timeless records to me. Because the wow. real G's, they music don't die. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Absolutely. Listening to DJ Quick last night, that shit don't die. Nah. <laughs> That's fine. Well, I mean, you Rest talk about peace, mm-hmm. you talk about music that can just live forever. And one of my favorite tracks of all time is with you and Drake, Aston Martin music. I Facts. mean, absolutely. Just a, it hits the same as it did years ago. And there are rumors about a potential joint venture with you and the Six God. Is there anything you want to tell us or Uh-oh. hint at or? You know, you know, me me just thinking of Drizzy right now, it, I can only say I want to send out a prayer to everybody that's affected by Astro right. World. Facts. You know what I'm saying? That's what just came to my mind, you know what I mean? And I know that's weighing heavy on both of their hearts, not just right. Drake hard, but of course Travis, because as an artist, just from an artist's point of view, there's no way you can prepare for that or you can nah. expect that. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, so let's pray for everybody that's affected. But, uh, you know, me and, Drake, me and Drake, we always had a good time collaborating. You know what I mean? We always made funky shit. And uh, I believe it's going to be some more in the future, without a doubt. Copy. Well, let's give it up one time for Rick Ross. Thank you so Listen, much. Real quick, though. Real quick, though. Be- before we let him go, we got to put him in the hot seat. He's got to make his prediction for the season. He's got to oh, stand by it. These so your your East Coast, your West Coast pick, who are going to be in the finals and who's going to win the whole thing? You know he's going with the heat. You know I'm going with the heat. <laughs> right. Uh, we know you go with the heat. I need who that you, one. Who you got coming out the West? Man... I know who I wanted to come out the West. I don't know how it's looking, though. <laughs> <laughs> who you going to say? I know what you going to say. man. You know, I love... See, you got to realize, coming out the West, it's something just about L.A. dudes, man. Yeah. They so arrogant. So if I get no better feeling than doing that to them boys on that side. <laughs> so, so you got For the Heat winning tonight. Know, when the Heat in L.A. went, I was trapped at Dr. Dre house surrounded by 25 
are the loudest, most yeah. obnoxious Laker fans. You know oh, nah. I had a wonderful time, you know what I'm saying? But most definitely, I know who I wanted to see, but I don't know what's going on. So yeah, I'm confused it's crazy. right it's now crazy. with the West. I'm confused it's right crazy. now. <laughs> well, I know you got the heat winning tonight, though. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah. That's Hell yeah. That's easy. That's easy. We finna tighten all the way up and do what we do. Mm-hmm. Don't I let us surprise that. you now. I believe nah, that. ain't nobody surprised by them motherfuckers. Niggas see, and the good thing about them, they play hard and they play with grit and they ain't talking okay. no shit. They playing yeah. hard as shit. Kyle Lowry, a dog. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I yeah. watched the Heat beat the brakes off them nets. I was like, oh boy, <laughs> here we go. The Heat ain't playing. And Not listen, my Knicks have avoided them thus far, so I'm looking forward to that because <laughs> we don't got to face either. them till January and they have our numbers. So <laughs> I'm, I'm avoiding them for as long as possible. So right. I appreciate that. Oh, hey, when man. you come to LA, man, I got you with that free workout, man. Get that jump shot right. <laughs> Oh man, I make hey my five footer man. I'm dangerous. I, I got you. Too. I got you. We gonna we gonna we gonna and extend that range. I let yeah. you film it. Go yeah. live. I got you. Five yeah. foot shot. Trust me. All right, I got you. I do you dirty. Oh my God. <laughs> hey, that was that was cool having Rick Ross on, wasn't it? We had a yeah. lot of fun. Sick. Listen, I tell you, I told you guys, he's a good conversation. He's a he's a dope person. Really he's a dope. real good dude, man. That was my first time really really rapping with him like that. You know, so I'm glad he talked about Devil in a New Dress. You feel me? That, nah. That's that's a legendary track, and it's a Absolutely. legendary podcast because we're not done yet, huh? We got one more segment. Nah, we're not playing. You already know what it is, man. Before we end the show, it's time for my segment. In the words of Dion Waiters, men lie, women lie, buckets don't. Uh huh. <laughs> you already know, man. This is when we pick our certified bucket of the week. Verified with our stamp of approval, it's the certified bucket of the week. My certified bucket, uh, y'all already know, man. I got to go with Steph Curry, man. This oh, dude brother. had 50 points, 10 assists against the Hawks. And what's crazy is, shout out to Candace Parker, because she called the stat of 50 points out before the game no even way. started. Yes, she was basically- Candace is, is ridiculous. I love Candace, yeah. I love her. She does not get the credit she deserves. Um, but shout out to Candace Parker as well. But Steph Curry was just having a field day with the Atlanta Hawk guards, man. It was like, all due respect, it was like a man amongst kids, man. He was step step back right, floating left, shooting off the from one end to the other end, shooting soon as he got off the bus. He was just doing whatever he wanted. It's just a good example of an NBA. If you take care of your body, you're going to be able to shoot for a long time. And I see players like Steph Curry. He's going to be able to play till he's about 42 years old. So shout out to Steph Curry. Um, and, and keep shooting that ball, man, and stay locked in. It's funny you said that because my dad actually said the same thing. Yeah, your dad, your dad, your dad knows knowledge of the game. Then the way that Steph plays the game is because I was I was bringing it up because we were talking about the difference between you know we're seeing the decline of not the decline but we're seeing father time start to catch up with LeBron, right? Right, mm-hmm. and. You know, it was a conversation of is that same, you know, outcome going to happen for Steph? And he plays a completely different game. LeBron is a yep. beast. He is dominant. Right. He is aggressive. He He's built like a football player and sometimes even plays like one. Steph's game is a little bit more like Reggie Miller S where he's not as physical. But man, is he elusive? And that's going to, yeah. you know, ultimately extend his career. So it's interesting that you said that as well. LeBron is taking a little bit more load because of his body, the way he plays. But mm. once he starts turning that down, LeBron can play to about 40. He's going to see his son face to face. I think if he if he changes his game a little bit, he can. He's going to have to change his game. He can clock Absolutely. in a couple of more years for sure. Oh, yeah. Easy. Easy. Mm-hmm. Who, who are you going with, Chris? Listen, man, I wish I had the video up here with me just so y'all could understand what I'm trying to what I'm trying to say. But my man, Buddy Hill, 
Ooh. hit one of the craziest shots that Crazy. I've ever seen. My man funny. hit, my man spun around a defender from three quarters court, took two steps to the half, and hit a half court one footed shot, and it went in. And I'm just like, no. First thing that went to my through my mind was lethal shooter can't do that. Right. <laughs> and the second thing that went to my mind was, damn, the Lakers should have traded for Buddy Hill and not Russell Westbrook. Oh. Listen, Buddy Hill is a guy who can space the floor out. He's a guy who you know what you're getting from, right? He can shoot the ball. He don't need his, that ball in his hands to be effective. He could impact the game in a couple different ways. And, and Westbrook, I just didn't think that was a, a good fit for them from the jump. And we're seeing that obviously it's early in the season, and I'm going off on a tangent here. But the Lakers had a chance to get Buddy Hill. They didn't do it. And um, that boy can flat out score. Free Buddy Hill. Someone trade him somewhere. In defense of Brody, I'm a huge Westbrook fan. I have never made any um, qualms about that. But I will say qualms, I think the word is. My bad. It is, but um, it's okay. I've, I've never made any secrets about that. I think, you know, and in Russell's defense, he's, he was very vulnerable and honest about this. He said, look, for most of my career, at least in these past few seasons, I've been on different teams. And it's, right. it's a different mm. level of adjustment, having to adjust to a different way of style of playing that one team does. New teammates, new atmosphere, new systems, new plays. And it's, it's you know, I'm doing it again here in L.A., but I really want to make it work. It's just a process. And I think it is a process. You, I think that it people, is. you know, kind of ignore that fact about, you know, Brody's career so far, at least in these past few seasons. You know, it's been Houston. It's been Washington. It's been L.A. I mean, it's yeah. a lot. And he gonna I stick think somewhere. Yeah, Brody is super talented. I'm a huge fan of him. I think that it's just growing pains. And I know that the L.A. fan base is not the most patient, especially Mm -mm. when they missed out on that chip last season. They want it now. Neither is their GM. Yeah, so it's it's not the most patient fan base. We'll just Mm -hmm. leave it at that. I agree, 100%. Well, speaking of non-patient fan bases, (laughs) (laughs) Uh -uh. my, my bucket of the week goes to Luca. Oh, um, okay. Oh, he hit boy. the he hit the game winner versus the Boston Celtics. Thirty three oh, yeah. points. Oh yeah. Oh, that was sick. Because if, if you listen to the, the the commentators, they just knew it was coming. It's like, oh, they brother, here comes Luca. It's mm-hmm. inevitable. Like, it was just so depressing to hear them comment. Depressing, but there's also a funny video of like a Celtics fan like hanging over the railing watching it happen. And he looks like he's yeah. gonna break down in tears. But you know, Luca is. Although there are a lot of supporting players on the team that you can't ignore when it comes to a team sport like basketball. I mean, Luka is single-handedly holding down that Dallas Mavericks franchise because, you know, listen, KP is not the player that they thought they were going to get. He deals with a lot of injuries. Um, And Luka's really, it's a one-man band out there. And I know that's semi-disrespectful to the supporting cast, you know, around him. But you got to give credit where credit is due. Luka plays an incredible game. He's only going to get better. Um, and I'm, I'm definitely a fan and I know Boston is, Boston fans are having a tough time. They're yeah. having a tough time. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. unfortunate. I heard Ben Simmons is on the way, but I don't know if that makes them feel better or on not. On the but way we'll where? To Boston or to Dallas? Room, to Boston. Rumors Boston. are that Ben Simmons can be swapped for Jalen Brown and some other players if, you know, that's, that may be a possibility in him leaving Philly, That'd but you know, bad. only time I, will tell. I wouldn't tell, like that for Celtics fans. Listen, I'm like I said, like Boston, it's a tough time to be a Celtics fan. That does it for this episode of Certified Buckets. It was a good one. Hell yeah, yo, yo, know that saying? was amazing. I think we're doing a great job. <laughs> Maybe like, Westbrook needs to take some pointers from us and how to, you <laughs> know, what I'm saying, develop chemistry. You know, what I'm saying we building chemistry. Oh no, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on, let's do this. <laughs> that lined up 
too much at the same. I was not talking about Russ right there, Chris. <laughs> but anybody listening to this, that is not an article moment. I was saying this is good chemistry with our team because we're yeah. starting to get a better feel just as like, a team. Just like Westbrook needs to get some better feel and some chemistry with his teammates. No, I'm not agreeing with you, Chris. I'm not agreeing with you. The blogs got lethal out here moving scary, bro. <laughs> oh, nah. I ain't scared. I ain't scared when I know I got my hitters with me. I know y'all That's got my uh, back. I got, so y'all, you got your back. Y'all be on Twitter talking crazy. Like yeah, I don't, got your back. I can't. I gotta. I gotta walk in the the locker rooms. I gotta have meetings with the agencies. I gotta train the guys, and then and then I know I got my two goons. Y'all don't care. So That's I, right. I got you y'all, already y'all. know. When it, we, I, I get the smoke all day Fine. on Twitter. <laughs> I I'm, actually almost got canceled two times in like a, a two week period. I'm like, yo, y'all not gonna. Hang. You you can't cancel. This is this is God's doing in the name of Kanye. All right, but the only, listen. only way we cancel is when you talk about food. Absolutely. But make sure if you guys love what you're hearing, and I, I hope that you do, Facts. make sure you do yourself a favor and hit that subscribe button, rate five stars, and drop a review if you're listening on Apple. And guys, shoot your shot on social media at certified buckets on all social media platforms. No vowels in the word buckets. We want to hear from you. And if you come correct, you might just hear your comments on our next show. Fellas, any final thoughts? I'm hungry as hell. I ain't got. I ain't, I'm too hungry to think. I need some okay. food. Yeah, cr- nah, Christian's been out here working out, so <laughs> you know the vibe. See, soon, he's getting sexy for soon, summer. Soon, I know it's only November, but uh, no, no, it's a, it's a year-long process. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> God body not made overnight. <laughs> this man trying to be a hot boy. You know the vibes. Appreciate everybody. For tuning in, if you ever need help with the artist shooting, go to my page at uh, Lethal Shooter. Hey, he's he's really about that life. He ain't, he ain't one of these Instagram trainers. You know what I'm saying? He might Come be able to shoot on, underwater, but he can shoot above ground too. You feel me? That's out of control. And on that note, ladies and gentlemen, we appreciate you rocking with us for another episode of Certified Buckets. And until next week, we out.